Hello Rookie here. That's HelloRookie.com where we pound out nothing but straight up fantasy gold throughout the entire year and especially during the football season. Head on over to the website if you haven't already and check us out. College football article is officially updated for week five. Brought to you by yours truly, Chris Lawless. Today's date is Thursday, September 26, 2019. Hello Rookie is brought to you by Draft.com. Use promo code HelloDraft and sign up today at Draft.com for a free NFL Week 4 entry. Get your classic snake draft on in Week 4. Chris, how you doing? Fantastic, man. Ready for college football. Yeah. Enough with the NFL junk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about Sunday for sure. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, what, uh, what's the biggest uh, game on the slate um, for college football this week? Um, so my favorite game is uh, Kansas State at Oklahoma State. I think um, as far as the main slate on DraftKings goes, there's a ton of good teams in action. I don't know necessarily that there's a ton of great games. Um, maybe Washington-USC will be the most popular. Uh, I think Virginia's 18, Notre Dame's 10, so that'll be a popular one. And then, obviously, your Tar Heels face off with uh, Clemson, which you'll have some rooting interest in. And I know uh, betters are loving the Iowa State-Baylor game, so... A lot of big names, a lot of uh, giant uh, team totals here because there's some huge spreads. Alabama, 50-point team total against Ole Miss. Oklahoma, 49-point team total against Texas Tech. Uh, 44 for Clemson, 41 for A&M. So some lopsided games for sure. Yeah, coming off quite a week last week, uh, some really awesome games. Uh, Notre Dame uh, solidifying themselves a bit. Uh, a lot of teams having high morale coming off from huge stat days and lopsided games. All right, um, it's time for our DraftKings College Football Week 5 outlook. Without further ado, who you got at QB1? All right, QB1. Um, so I, I went back and looked at last week. Um, it was the first week we really didn't like hit it out of the park with our picks. Uh, I thought it would have been because of Joe Morrow and LSU just going off. Um, but the guys that actually won the slates didn't have either Morrow or um, Tua in their lineup, so I'm going to kind of chase that strategy a little bit, save some money, not a ton. Um, there's not a, you know, these top-level quarterbacks, there's not a huge gap in the salaries, but for me this week, I like Julian Newman. Um, he's got our top QB matchup in this slate. Boston College giving up over 295 passing yards per game. Over eight yards per attempt, both are by far the the highest numbers in this slate. Newman's on fire. He's been named to ACC Player of the Week a couple of times already. 35-point-per-game average um, is obviously well over 4x value for his $7,800 salary. Um, And then speaking of last week, the target number for GPPs last week was 5x value, which is... It's it, when you set that as a as a target, it gets really really hard to find players that you know have that much upside or can consistently hit that number. Um, I think we did it with our picks this week, but um, yeah, that's that's that was tough last week for sure. Lots of scoring. Yeah, tell me we're going to be targeting uh, USC's secondary. Um, is UCLA on the slate or no? No, no UCLA. Uh, okay. Yeah, USC secondary. Um, no, their run defense, yes. The secondary, so if you're going to target their secondary, it's, it's, it's risky because Washington in games like this will run the ball uh, almost two to one, so they're going to run it a ton, um, and they've got some nice value at, 
at running back. And then if you look at the, at the Washington receivers, um, you know, you're really only looking at Aaron Fuller and, um, at what's his salary? 5,700. You got to get to 28 DraftKings points. He's only done that once this year. So he doesn't necessarily meet the five X criteria. I still like him. He certainly was, I, I was considering him. Um, Washington doesn't have the ball a bunch against that USC air raid. Um, I just think that they're going to lean on the, on the run game heavily. So. All right. Fair enough. All right. Who are you looking at for RB1? All right, RB1, we're going to go with Darius Anderson, TCU, back-to-back 36-point games. Uh, I think he's number three in FBS in terms of yards after contact. Um, he's averaging like uh, eight and a half yards after contact this season, something like that. Um, I'm sorry, no, so, so he's averaging six yards after contact. Um, but yeah, back-to-back 36-point games, um, Kansas giving up over 170 rushing yards per game. Um, actually, I think, you know what? They're giving up over 190 this year. They gave up over 170 last year. So Les Miles not quite turning it around there. Um, love Darius Anderson in this TCU run-heavy offense right now. Uh, he's my RB1. All right. Sounds good. I'm down. Okay. RB2. Joe, this is one that like would be off your board if you were building a lineup for this. All right. So Isaiah Spiller made our article last week and then put up six nine yards on six carries. Uh, lost a fumble to start the second half, really got outproduced by um, a senior player that's essentially a fullback. Uh, but I'm rolling him out there again. Jimbo Fisher's, Jimbo Fisher's RB1 historically has always been a fantasy lock. Um, certainly have to like him in a matchup against Arkansas that's you know giving up a ton of production to opposing running backs. Um, Spiller's another guy that you know, you're getting over six yards after contact which is he's right behind Anderson nationally. I think he's fifth in the, in the country in terms of yards after contact, true freshman, uh, explosive player. Um, and I think when you compare him to uh, what's the guy in front of him or behind him, I guess, Jacob Cabote uh, at 4,700 um, Spiller's going to give you more in the passing game. He's going to give you more explosive plays. I think he's going to, you know, go back to being the, the lead back uh, Jimbo flat out said he didn't want to play a true freshman against Auburn's front seven last week. So, I like Spiller this week at 5,100 to have a bounce back game. Any additional notes on Arkansas's D? Run D? <laughs> it's, a, it's a nightmare. Uh, they're, they're just overall a nightmare. They lost to uh, what, San Jose State last week, who is arguably the worst football program in America right now. Uh, at home, they lost to him. So easy, easy walkover week for Texas A&M. I think Spiller has a monster game. Um, he's got, I think he's got a couple of weeks... Uh, over 100 yards week one on just seven carries over 116 or 116 yards on 14 carries in week three uh some production in the past game as well so yeah i, really, right. I like spiller perhaps uh, a joe. sleeper sleeper of the week uh possibly on this later yeah and i've seen guys talking about starting Kabodi because he you know i Kabodi had one good run where he got 20 yards and that was basically all the rushing production for texas a&m last week Kabodi. I wrote in the article that he runs like Travis Frederick, the center for, for Dallas. Like the dude cannot move. It's it's gonna be Isaiah Spiller this week. Big plays against chunk plays against uh, the worst defense in the SEC. Um All right. Spillers are known to have good running backs. WR one. Alright, wide receiver one. And I, I hate doing this where I fill out a roster. I, I, I think everybody should put their own twist on this roster rather than just submitting it into contests. Um, it's a really bad idea. It, it gets us in trouble here. But um, wide receiver one, I'm going with the best receiver in the country, Jerry Judy. 
most consistent receiver in the country. Look at his game log. He's got a floor of 12.8 against South Carolina, but then he's got a game of 28, 39, and 33. Um, the most consistently targeted Bama receiver. Um, he's looking like a top 10 lock in next year's draft. Uh, in, in this game against Ole Miss last year, uh, he put up 32 draft Kings points on only three catches. Um, given that he's averaging seven and a half receptions per game right now, I'd say he's going to have, I think he's going to have his best game of the year so far. And he's like one of the very few receivers in the slate. I think all three of the guys we're targeting here are, are in an elite group that can actually hit 5x value uh, for their salary. And given that Judy's salary is so high, I think you have to lock in that production at 8,100. Yeah, I, I feel like college football, uh, maybe even a little more so than NFL, fantasy-wise, um, there are certain players that absolutely have to be on the roster every single week. Otherwise, you're screwed. And obviously, it comes down to the slate uh, much more so with college football than NFL. But, well, last, last week was a week I thought that against Southern Miss, Bama was going to hit a bunch of like really big plays. So I said we need to get shares of Rugs, and it, he, he runs a four-two. Rugs does legit four-two, um, oh. and he had you know four catches, 148 yards, and two touchdowns, all big plays. Um, this week, I think it's more the Jerry Judy show. At least it was in this game last season. When you get into the SEC play, it tends to tighten up a little bit. Not a lot, because Ole Miss is another dumpster fire, but I like Judy here. All right, WR2. Wide receiver two going to the stack with Wake Forest. Um, so basically, you have two players, Sage Surratt um, and Scotty Washington from Wake Forest. Surratt, 7,500. Washington, 6,900. I think you can put in both. Let's say you want to fade Judy. You're not sure that you know he's going to get the work in Bama's offense this week. Um, I think you just plug in Surratt with Scotty Washington, with Newman, and you're going to have a big week because, you know, as, as I said, Boston College – uh, 295 passing yards per game, and they've actually played a pretty favorable schedule against the pass to date. So their their secondary is a disaster. Ton of turnover. They lost two um, all ACC players off of that group from last year. So ton of turnovers. A bunch of young guys. A bunch of uh, I guess a, a, a giant lack of talent back there. Um, so I like I like Sage Surratt. Uh, 30 receptions of Scotty Washington's 22. Um, we're talking about the 5X ceiling. He's been right there back-to-back weeks. 34.2 against Elon and 35 against UNC. He had a 32-point game against Texas State. So uh, he's flashed the upside. You know, the Rice game, I think Wake got out to a big lead and tried to milk it, and Rice kept it somewhat close, but he only had 16 and a half. Um, Scotty's actually got a, a considerably lower floor. He had five points against UNC, so... Um, I like Sage Surratt. He's a guy that made the All-ACC team last week along with Newman. Um, he's been their most consistent weapon on offense. So Nice to get a, a full picture of stats on these college boys, huh? Yeah. Um, little uh, wake, wake stack happening here. Yeah, wake stack. And I think you can double up with him. I, wouldn't, I would not hesitate to. It's, it's a great matchup. Okay, so another matchup that um, betters are all over the under on the Iowa State-Baylor game. Um, actually, you know, I, I don't hate the underplay here, but I do think that Brock Purdy is going to put up points on Baylor. Baylor hasn't played anybody if we pull up their schedule real quick with Mims. Um, they almost lost to Rice last week, uh, and then they played Stephen F. Austin, and I think this is Texas-San Antonio. Um, so they haven't played anybody. Um this is going to be kind of a wake-up call against a really talented Iowa State team and a super talented quarterback in Brock Purdy. Uh, 
Tariq Milton has established himself as the go-to receiver in here in this, I mean, on, on this team. Aside from um, week one, where he's really quiet, you look at the last two weeks, he's he's back to back 140 yards and a touchdown. Um, you look at the target share, reception share, all of that points to Milton being the go-to receiver here. Um, the matchup with Baylor, Baylor's right now statistically one of the better pass defenses in the country. Um, in fact, uh, you see here they have the third, the, the red three next to them in here. But again, they haven't played anybody. They gave up over 240 passing yards per game last year, and this is going to be the first week that they're actually tested. So I think Milton uh, and Brock Purdy have a decent game against Baylor. And at 5,000, again, you're looking at a guy that's hit, you know, uh, 5x last week and 6x the week before. So nice value play here. Makes sense, man. Who's uh, Iowa State's quarterback? Brock Purdy, sophomore. He's throwing um, it well. Yeah, he is. Um, okay, flex. We're going to go with a value play here. Washington, uh, I, I think Ahmed's out again this week. Um, if he does play, then you pretty much have to scrap this play altogether. Uh, Sean McGrew is actually going to be the starter, I'm guessing, um, in this matchup with USC at 3,700. He's underpriced. Uh, he actually out-touched uh, um, what's his, New Richard Newton in last week's game. Um, six or sorry, eighteen carries, two receptions, so eight or twenty total touches. Uh, Newton's got I think five touchdowns through the first four weeks, so he looks like the touchdown scorer. But if you watch the two guys play, to me, McGrew looks like the better goal line back. He's he's a one cut downhill, super decisive runner. Um, I think he could score this week against USC, and again, I think he's going to get you know sixteen to twenty carries plus some work in the passing game here. So. Uh, at 3,700, it's pretty rare to find um, a guy that's going to get that sort of volume in a decent matchup. Um, so I like McGrew uh, as a, I guess, almost a punt play. Um, and again, you know, USC's running that air raid offense. They're 91st in the nation in, in time of possession. So Washington's going to get a ton of possession in this game, which should mean a ton of work for both backs. I love it, man. Uh, <laughs> USC is a team to target this year, that's for sure. Yeah. So Superflex, um, I think you pretty much have to play a quarterback in Superflex. I went through the, the results from last week and looked at some of the top lineups, and almost all of them had a quarterback in the Superflex spot. Um, there's a lot of ways you can go with this. For me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll a Jet Duffy. Um, started the year as the backup once again to Bowman. Bowman gets hurt again. Um, super athletic quarterback. Uh, he put up 28 DraftKings points in less than a half against Oklahoma last year. The Texas Tech quarterbacks actually outscored Kyler Murray in this game last season. Um, I think because of the way they they play, you know, still the um, I think the third or fourth most pass heavy offense in college football. Um, he's got a super high floor um, against Oklahoma, and he's a guy he had 50 yards rushing and a touchdown in this game last year. So dual threat guy actually led Texas Tech in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns last season, despite being the backup quarterback. Um, High volume game. Oklahoma is going to hit chunk plays, put up a ton of points against Texas Tech, and it'll be on Duffy to keep pace with him here. So, I like Jet Duffy as a as a fifty nine hundred dollars super flex quarterback. Nice. I like QB as super flex too. All right. So no uh, no Wisconsin targets. Yeah, uh, Northwestern four yards per carry. I don't think it matters. I think um, JT's pretty much a, a lock to put up huge numbers. Um, but, I mean, if you're looking at 5X value for a $9,000 salary, you got to get to $4,500. Uh, that's, that's a pretty steep ask given that 
this game projects to be one of the lower scoring games in the slate. Even if, you know, Wisconsin blows them out, they do have a team implied total of 36 points. Um, you know, I don't know. And I, I, I do think the Wisconsin uh, passing game is a little bit underrated. Um, so they could put up some big plays in the passing game in addition to Taylor. And we did see him, you know, miss a large chunk of the Michigan game with, uh, I, I think it was just cramping, but, you know, they may not, if they have a big lead, they may not, you know, give them a ton of work in the second half here. Roger that. All right. Any additional notes for any other games on Saturday? Um, I'm just running through this slate again really quickly. I think Notre Dame's interesting. Oh. Um, Virginia's uh, one of the better defenses in the country, but Notre Dame's without two of their top three backs. Um, I think they're, rather than you know give the ball to Jones a bunch here, I think they're going to lean on the passing game. So I'd be looking at either Komet, uh, who made his first start of the year last week against Georgia and put up 29 fantasy points, or Claypool, who is always a mismatch given his size on the outside, um, to put up decent numbers against Virginia. If you expect Notre Dame to get the win, this is obviously a potential letdown game a week after you know a really tough game against Georgia for Notre Dame here against a good Virginia team. Uh, it's another one I think will be a slower-paced, lower-scoring game. Um, and then this Temple Georgia Tech game, I you know I played around with you know how to how to target this. You know last year with Armstead at Temple, it would have been really easy. It would have been a lock because Georgia Tech's run defense is atrocious. Um, but you know Georgia Tech's really become I'm sorry Temple's become a pass-heavy team. You look at Russo with uh, 51 attempts last week, 37, 41, and then you look at the running backs. It's really two two guys with Gardner and the freshman Davis. Um, Davis is kind of coming on and taking the job, but without you know. A, a more significant workload than 31, you know, uh, carries on the year. I don't know how you, I don't know how you start them here, even with the great matchup. So, and then I also didn't have any Clemson or Tar Heel players in the, in this lineup. Um, mostly because, you know, Clemson's spreading the ball around so much between ETN, Higgins, Ross, and, um, Scott, that it's really hard to, you know, guess who's going to have the production there. Uh, I don't know. I don't, and I don't trust UNC against that insane Clemson defense. So I guess a calculated risk of um, not targeting any Tigers in a pretty favorable matchup against UNC here. Yeah. Um, y- UNC fans are, uh, are not looking forward to that one, that's for sure. Um, some are saying that uh, it's not going to be as bad as what you might think. Um, it's going to be bad. <laughs> I mean, App State was bad, and App State lost their coach, and yeah, it's going to be bad. Yeah, it very well could be. Um, all right, any any updates on those Purdue Boilermakers you've been targeting all year? Yeah, they're available in the FanDuel slate. Um, not a bad matchup either. Minnesota's pass defense was fantastic last year and um, has fallen off of the cliff this year. Uh, it, they've become a secondary to target. Um, so go crazy. I don't, I don't, actually, I haven't looked at, um, Sindelar's status. Are you looking at it right now? No, I just have the schedule up. Yeah. Um, let's uh, see what Sindelar's status is. That'd be a good. They have a uh, Penn state, uh, next week, which would be really their first test of the season. Penn state's currently ranked 12th. Purdue still remains, uh, not in the 20, top 25. Yeah. 
That could be uh, one hell of a game to watch. That's a noon game on October 5th, Purdue at Penn State. Yep. All right, anything else for this one? I don't think so. All right. Uh, subscribe, folks, if you haven't already. Like, share this video. Helps get our stuff out. Helps us uh, to uh, take time to create this uh, premium content for you. We love doing it. Thanks for watching. Peace.